and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does somebody shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. That yeah, I I I do remember the going after Chris Paul and Dwight Howard. Uh, was that 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 was that the same? No, this was a different offseason. That wasn't the same offseason that uh, they lost out on Darren Williams because Mark Cuban had to go uh, tape an episode of Shark Tank. Was I was think that that's this? right. That 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 strikes me as Which, right. Given how Darren Williams's career went after that, that was probably a little bit of a dodge bullet, but uh, it it is it is just kind of wild to me that like you look at just. The last, really since the title team, and that title team was kind of like, you go into the playoffs that year, nobody was picking the Mavs to win the title. They played the Blazers in the first round that year. That was the series where Brandon Roy had kind of that one last vintage God. Brandon Roy game where, you know, e- e- you know he looked like Brandon Roy before everything kind of fell apart with his, with his knees that and was, stuff. That was an incredible performance. And yeah. we knew after the fact that, like, his knees that were basically sandpaper. Yes. And but, he was just, oh, my God, what yeah. a game. Yeah, but so they win the title that year, and then after the lockout, Cuban lets Tyson Chandler walk, mm-hmm. basically just breaks up that team, and they've just been kind of trying to really since then they've been trying to pick up the pieces yep. up until up until last year when they made the conference finals, they hadn't won a first round series since that title year. Yep, and <laughs> you look at just like all the different things that like like they you know they go after DeAndre Jordan and like the crazy emoji thing happens and. They, you know, they're in the running for even even after like Dwight opts into the uh, the Orlando deal. The next summer, when he's actually a free agent and he leaves and goes to Houston, the Mavs were theoretically in on him then too. And they, they just they are just kind of you know they're 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 one of these teams that's like always in on a guy and then they never end up even even like just like a couple years ago. But before Giannis signed the extension with the Bucks, they were one of the teams that. That's what but they had built for. They had they, built for going after Giannis. Them and like the Raptors and the Heat were the three yep. teams that were like, yeah, we're we're going to make a run at Giannis. That's going to be our guy. And like, I guess they thought that like because Luca is also an international guy, that like he would all he would like that Giannis would want to do that. Like I guess that was sort of the uh, the thought process there. And then that just didn't work out. It's it's just it's really like like why do you think it is that they are just kind of always in this place of like, oh, we're going to go after this guy, we're going to go after this guy, and then none of them ever end up going there. Um, well, in years past, it was the combination of Donnie Nelson and Mark Cuban. Right. Um, now that Donnie Nelson is retired, is well, got fired and is in the wilderness and is suing the Mavericks, I feel kind of safe saying this. Donnie Nelson is an incredibly important historical basketball figure. Like, mm-hmm. he was, like, to the, like, like the sport itself. If you don't know much about Donnie Nelson, he was involved in some of the biggest things to happen in basketball of the last 30 years. You know, the, the other dream team in 1992, he was the, he was one of the coaches. He, he found Dirk. He was really in the forefront of pushing basketball overseas, but 
as he aged and in the Dallas area here, he really, I think he became far less interested in GMing and a lot more interested in making money. He had all sorts of side uh, side jobs and like they missed on Desmond Bain because they never scouted him. Desmond Bain went to school at TCU. We're talking 30 minutes away and they, they did not scout him. Like that's the sort of things that were happening under Donnie in late season. You pair Donnie and Rick Carlisle and Cuban, and it's a bunch of of an, uh, three older white guys that simply had not no, they don't relate to NBA players. Like Chandler Parsons was shadow GM for a while. Like Deb's like <laughs> McMahon. Tim McMahon has basically said this. And I remember that big feature that Tim McMahon mm-hmm. wrote about uh, about Chandler Parsons when he left to go to Memphis, and just like the relationship that he had with Mark Cuban. Yep. Yep. Did you see and that? Did you see that video of Chandler Parsons uh, the other saying day? how he got his deal? Basically talking about how Portland. Uh, there, there's, there's more to that that I don't mm-hmm. think can be shared publicly up from the Portland end. But, uh, the, but, <laughs> but that's sort of why because you get these three guys that don't really have any, you know, Dan like like Dan Fagan. Fagan was a big connector within the Mavs organization when he passed away. Like uh-huh. the Mavs had bad relationship with Clutch. He um, was DeAndre up- Jordan's guy too, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he had a like Mark Cuban and Luca's current agent had had a falling out after Steve Nash. Like there were a lot of like just mildly burned bridges that existed. And I think Cuban sort of thought that that the existence of Dirk Cuban being a willing owner and that sort of thing would be an appealing thing. But I wrote an article sev- uh, last summer basically saying less Mark Cuban would be more for the Mavericks for every good thing Mark did. He also did something really, truly awful. Like players have long memories. Like he used Kobe as an example of a bad contract and said that the Lakers should amnesty him just as an example. Players remember that stuff. And so for as much as they might like, you know, um, having, having a drink with him or going on a podcast with him, like he went on the knuckleheads podcast a couple of weeks ago. And those two guys were talking about how cool it was that they had, the Mavericks had PlayStations back in their their lockers in the 2000s. At the end of the day, they want to play for an organization that understands them. And I think that's where the hiring of Nico Harrison and the hiring of Jason Kidd might go somewhere eventually, even though I'm not really big fans of either, because you just got to be able to relate back to these players. I mean, if Cuban is going to be this much of a, of a figure, and he's told me, he came on my show and told me that he's like, I'm not going away, basically then they have to offset some of what having a 60s-year-old billionaire white guy around can do because it's not as cool as he might think it is. We'll get to Jason Kidd in a second because I know that's somebody you have strong feelings about. But I'm curious. I don't know a ton about Nico Harrison beyond just that he was a Nike executive for a long time. And it was was kind of an outside-the-box hire because usually a sneaker executive doesn't get hired to be an NBA GM. And I, I, so I'm curious kind of what you, how you, you know, what you make of him, you know, what you thought of kind of his tenure so far and just the way he approaches uh, that job as kind of like, cause you know, you've seen, you've seen some teams, you know, will hire a former agent as a, as a, the top executive. Like sometimes it works out well with Bob Meyer. Sometimes it doesn't really with Palinka, but like, it's kind of an outside the box thing to do. So I'm kind of curious just, you know, what you've seen from his approach so far. Don't have enough tape to really judge him. Uh-huh. Um, Cuban had cut him off at the knees kind of in the opening press conference when he indicated that like he was still going to be he- very heavily involved. Yeah. Uh, he said he, you know, and, and being a GM itself, knowing the rules, all that stuff is very difficult. They very much indicated that he was going to be a relationships guy. And I just don't know if there's been enough time for that because 
the Mavericks hadn't have much to work with. I will say they deserve the, the Mavericks as a team, maybe Nico Harrison, or, you know, including Nico Harrison in this, getting out from under the Chris Stapps Porzingis deal was pretty shocking and in a good way because it obviously spurred them on to the Western Conference Finals. And Spencer um, Dinwiddie, who, like, you know, he's been kind of up and down this year, but he was huge for them in the second half last year. And he's arguably been very important this year. Like, he's playing a ton of minutes relative to his career and he looks functional that was the thing about Porzingis is he simply a drop big in 2023 doesn't you can't do it you just can't do it and he it was not his fault he just didn't fit and he he wanted things on offense it's like moving on from him was interesting it was so that that you know was the big thing then the only other thing they did of note was sign JaVale McGee this summer which was in my opinion the worst signing of the offseason but I'm not sure how much I can hold that on Nico Harrison specifically because anybody that can, you know, kind of put the pieces together would understand that that was a Jason Kidd want. He wanted that he, and he, you know, he coached McGee out in Los Angeles. McGee has a great reputation nowadays of being a very good locker room guy, something that wasn't the case right. earlier in his right. career. But the problem with JaVale McGee is that he's not good. So that's where they are right now. How much influence does Kid have over personnel stuff? I mean, I'm I have I am very certain that it was a a package deal for both Nico Harrison and Jason Kidd, with Jason Kidd being the one and saying I'm only coming if Nico's coming with me, kind of thing. That's, so it's a, so it's very much like even though he isn't the one saying, oh, you have to do this, you have to do this. Like the the understanding is that he and Nico Harrison are kind of on the same page about like, yes, what they want. Which I, there can be value in that. Yeah, there really can. That's what I, that's what's going on. I mean, in yeah. in Portland right now, like. One of the reasons that I keep telling fans who are freaking out right now is uh, to be, you know, a little bit patient is because it's a kind of a three-pronged thing where the franchise player, the head coach, and the general manager, from what I can tell and from what I've, you know, I've, I've talked to different people about the dynamic, from what I can tell, the three of them are completely in lockstep and on the same page about stuff. I think there's value in that kind of organizational consistency, but yeah. it's also like, you know, you... Uh, you want to balance that out with, you know, you want to have dissenting voices. You want to have some sort of like, you, yep. know, you, you want to kind of prevent a little bit of groupthink. That, and there's that, a lot that I don't know because right. it's, it's, but it, they've always operated in a particular circle. And I think as Cuban has gotten older, he has gotten more confident in his know of his understanding of, of, of the way this is done. But I don't entirely understand why. <laughs> is, it, is it just because like I've done this for so long and I, I do, do you think it's that, it's, it's that they won the title 12 years ago when nobody really expected them to. And that kind of gave him license to be like, look, I must know more than other people do. Is you think there's some of it to that or. I mean, there, there's also just like he's very passionate about basketball. Yeah. He drives me crazy, but he loves this team. So that and that's where it's like, like it, it's probably it, it's sometimes. I, I frustrate fans when I make this criticism. It's just like, in order to be in business, you you cannot, you have to have some dispassion. You you cannot be so emotionally attached that you're blinded by things. And I think that has that has been an issue at some points. So, well, I mean the 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 real, I think a lot of the reputation that Mark Cuban has among a lot of people. I mean, obviously you you as you've laid out here and you've laid out plenty of other places. You have your criticisms of him other people have their criticisms of him i think that the you know the way he developed the reputation that he has this was kind of true of paul allen way back in the day when he bought like because when paul allen bought the blazers in the late 80s he was one of the first if not the first owner 
to put his team on a private jet or on a charter plane and not have them fly commercial. And that, and like, he'd invested a lot in, like, player amenities. And that was one of the big things that Cuban did when he first bought the Mavs in the early 2000s was we're going to have state-of-the-art, like, the thing you were mentioning earlier about, you know, guys having PlayStations in the locker rooms. And, like, he was one of the first owners to really put money into that side of it and, and like, the, kind of the off-course stuff. But, like, now you're at the point where every team does that. Every team has a, just about every team has a state-of-the-art practice facility. Every team flies yeah. charter. Every team does a lot of that kind of off-court player amenity stuff. So, like, if that was your main competitive advantage was you're putting money into all that stuff to make this a place where people want to work, like, once that isn't, like, a competitive advantage that you have over everybody else anymore, then it's like, what else are you bringing to the table? That's right. That's right. And And I'll be, you know, kind of eternally grateful as a fan of the team when I was in high school, you know, for that sort of thing. Because the Mavericks, it's kind of hard to contextualize to anybody that that didn't really follow the NBA. They were a joke and before Cuban. They were one of the worst sports franchises of the 90s. It was yes. like them and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was it was bad, 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 bad. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's get into Jason Kidd a little bit. Because sure. I know that's somebody that you have a lot of strong opinions about, as do a lot of other people and the way that it seems to go at every one of his stops. I mean, you saw this in Milwaukee also the first year, the defense is great. And it, you know, it, it just completely shakes. He just completely shakes up, you know, what their defensive philosophy is and what the scheme is and all of this. And then after like the second, you know, starting with year two, it just kind of starts to, you know, he starts to rub some guys the wrong way. They get, he has players he likes and doesn't like, it seems like he already hates Christian Wood, which, uh, so yes. that's funny that you say that. There was a quote floating around this morning. Let's see if I can find it here because we're recording here on Friday the 13th at about 2.30 in the afternoon central time. But there was a quote this morning that, that apparently happened last night. I didn't see it, though, where he was asked about his relationship with Jason Kidd. And he mentioned, Christian Wood mentioned how it's actually grown and changed a lot, how him and Kidd did not speak very much early on. Okay. And now they're communicating a lot more, which is, to me absolutely freaking hilarious and not a great look because it speaks to like what Marin Fader said in her book, you know, to a degree about how kid basically didn't like he ignored certain players who, yeah. who he wasn't happy with. And we've heard that from other people. Too. Mm -hmm. and, and it's just, it's interesting to me. I mean, my feeling, my feeling on kid is very challenging because the results have to matter, but I, I have a hard time separating the results from Luka Doncic. I yeah. just, and, and, you know, I also have a hard time being super duper critical of him in that the roster is so limited and he didn't build this roster outside of, of JaVale McGee. That's, but he that's does on. have input you as you he as does you have input, but they came into such like like it was such a cupboard, like bare cupboard. Um, and so it's it's just one of those things that that I, I waffle on because his his when he talks to the media, it's extremely irritated. You know, he doesn't really answer questions. He is passive aggressive. And one of the writers, he does a, the, the thing I like, just I, the thing I love about, about, uh, I, I use love kind of sarcastically, but uh, the, the thing Jason Kidd really likes to do is just mumble. Like mm -hmm. just, he, he talks as quietly as possible, like on purpose to make it difficult for us to hear what he's saying. Well, one of, one of my contributors at Mavs Moneyball, a guy named Matthew Phillips has the idea that Jason Kidd almost starts off the season not playing his best lineups on purpose to see what he can build and for two seasons in a row there's some credence to that because the Mavericks for two seasons in a row played 500 basketball and then started playing better 
Now, he was extremely dismissive of playing Christian Wood and Luka Doncic together. Extremely dismissive. It made me question whether he and his coaching staff understand how on-off numbers work and lineup data works. <laughs> because it was just like every time they play together, they would have like a 130 offensive rating. And it was just, and they just refused to do it. And injury sort of forced his hand. And now they played together. And, you know, um, shout out to Christian Wood's agent who uh, messaged me this this morning. They're 10 and 5 over their last 15. And Wood and Luca re look really good on offense together. And it's like, it shouldn't have. And Kid was like openly dismissive of Mavs social media. Like, so weird. Like, mentioning fans drives me crazy when organizations do that. The fans are the ones that give you money, don't deride them. And he's like, well, there's a lot of Twitter coaches out there who expect me to play these two guys together. And it's like, yeah, it, the Mavs don't have a lot of talent. Playing your two good guys together is not, you know, rocket science here. And so they've, they've done that a little bit, but it's it, even that lineup still has a lot of deficiencies. And it's it's just difficult for me to really judge kid. I, I will say Jason Gallagher, a uh, mutual friend of ours, yeah. um, he, he produces Old Man in the Three for uh JJ Reddick came on my live show the other night. He went to Oklahoma City Thunder Mavs game and heard Jason Kidd yell out from the bench, just do something at one point during a 24 second like <laughs> and it's like, bro, you're the coach. Tell them what to do. And and that sort of stuff I've heard that like a lot. Like Tim Cato of the Athletic did an interview where with all the coaching staff and like all the players were like, "Well, kid doesn't run practice." And like I just exist in this place where I've gotten to the point of asking, "Well, what does he do here?" Like you watch him. Watch him in these games, Sean, and anybody that listens to this, he will have his hands in his pockets and it looks like he's not doing anything. Now I I I actually sat close enough to hear him like he he keeps the same expression he actually speaks very loudly and berates coach but he doesn't really use his face right and so it's he does more than i think he does but it's just like what is going on he's just an interesting guy like i, I can't help like like mirren fader's book again just so might have poisoned the well for me because i just don't know how i can get past some of the things that happen in milwaukee and make me worried if they're gonna happen with uh with the mavericks <laughs> so let's let's talk about this roster a little bit outside sure. of like like outside of luca like luca is you know 